G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Summer Time on the Vision Radio Network. Well, with the heatwave conditions impacting so many communities around Australia, there'll be many who'll be drawing on an extra dimension of courage and faith in the face of impending bushfire disaster. One of the hardest-hit communities over the past few days is the town of Dunalley in Tasmania. As you're on the road to the popular tourist destination of Port Arthur, you drive through the town of Dunalley. One of those families that have lost everything in the Dunalley bushfire is that of Tim Holmes, who joins us today to tell his dramatic and even terrifying story of survival with his wife and five grandchildren who escaped the flames as fire engulfed their home and their town. They sheltered under a jetty to survive. Tim, welcome to 2020. Describe the scene as you sheltered from the flames. Well, I guess I'll start um, when we were up at the house, um, and it was a a very hot wind, um, and there was an ominous feel um, all around, because uh, we'd been warned the day previously that there was a very high fire danger, and so we'd spent the day um, quite frantically, well, if I say frantically, no, Perhaps a better word would be conscientiously and seriously preparing for any eventuality. I wasn't sort of seriously expecting it to hit us. I thought, well, I'll do all the right things and know I've um, followed all the guidelines and filled the gutters with water and wet everything down and removed any debris and shuttle windows and done all the things that um, I understand you should do in a bushfire situation so we were well prepared and we had our grandchildren our five grandchildren with us on that day because our daughter went to a funeral and our son-in-law was um, on a six-day walking expedition on the southwest coast uh, with three of his friends um, which we encouraged him to do he's very reluctant to leave the family but we said to him that we felt it would be good for him to to do that because he loves the outdoors and um, we were very confident that, of course, between myself and Tammy and Bonnie, the mother of the children, our daughter, we could handle all situations. So we said, go, David, take your chance. And he did. And so getting back to that afternoon um, when it was just Tammy, my wife and I, with the children and the wind was getting stronger and hotter and stronger and hotter, and smoke started to appear over the hillsides around about. And before we knew it, I'm, I think I probably ought to cut the story a little bit short, but um, before we knew it, there was a fireball um, that leapt. If I said a kilometre, I probably wouldn't be exaggerating. And, and there was 
there were flames in the fields around about us and in the trees not far away and Tammy, who had been well prepared, had packed lunches and um, told the children that we might need to evacuate and explained to each one that in the event of an evacuation they were to do exactly as they were told. They were to um, not ask questions but just do immediately what had been asked of them and they all nodded obediently. They're beautiful children. Uh, Bonnie and David homeschooled them so they're, um, you know, very nicely uh, responsive and disciplined so very easy to deal with. That's why we have no trouble looking after all five at once. They range from 10 years down to two. And so when we saw this imminent danger uh, suddenly on, not even on our horizon, but actually approaching very fast, I said to Tammy, go, get down to the jetty, which was probably about four, 500 meters away, down a hill alongside a, a wooded area. And she um, yeah, obviously was very attentive to um, the situation and heard me say go, and so she went. And because I just needed to pull some doors closed and grab um, one, I, we had no time to take anything out of the house. It was um, we grabbed. I grabbed one wallet which had a couple of passports in it. That's the only thing I took. Tim. Um, You've got fireballs coming over the hill towards yes. the house. Uh, yes. The temperature is soaring. 42 uh, degrees. You've sent your grandchildren off yes. with your wife to the yes. jetty, a 500-metre yes. uh, journey down to the water. Yes. Uh, you describe also tornadoes of fire. Had you ever yes. even anticipated that this sort of condition could even possibly exist? would never have dreamt of it. I spoke to a, a chap this morning, an older man who, who was here in 1967 bushfires, which were well known for their destruction. And he said he saw that and he never saw anything like this. And Tim, you ran at, at a point well, where I you realised you couldn't stay any longer. You yes, also well, went to the water. Yes, that's right. I, I, I won't give you all the detail. Let's let's just um, pick it up where um, Tammy, Tammy, the children ran obediently. Tammy carried the youngest two-year-old and I was very close behind them and we got to the jetty and by that time not only was the fire behind us and around us but it was also coming at us from the opposite direction so it kind of veed onto the point of our jetty um, and there was an instant inferno um, and we went out probably 40 meters into the water up to our chest, my chest, I'm six foot tall. And um, we were holding the children and um, keeping our heads down, bowed low. And, and the fire raged and it got hotter. And so we um, went a little further um, and in... You know, in no time at all, it was dark. The, the smoke, the uh, toxic gases, obviously the unburnt fuels, the, what seemed like resin uh, was forming on the surface of the water. The water took on an oily look uh, of um, dirty, oily um, embers um, and smoke. And the, um, 
the interesting thing was that there was just this layer of air, which I estimated to be perhaps three, two to three hundred millimeters high, that uh, underneath the smoke. So our faces were in that zone, trying to get whatever oxygen we could, because in the event of a bushfire, oxygen gets drawn away into, into the fire itself. So for three hours, you were there clutching your five grandchildren with your wife. Yes. Uh, simply Look, trying think, to stay alive. Well, I think it was more. It's hard time. Time has escaped us. But looking at um, we during the course of that time, we sent, we were able to send a few messages to people who are concerned for us. And looking back over those, we think it's perhaps about two and a half hours that we spent in that in in that situation. But look, times still um, I have no real notion of time I just uh, know that um, you know it's it's only referring to the text messages and the phone calls that um, we received and sent um, to give us an indication of how long it was but um, I guess looking at it too um, I know pretty much when we eventually escaped from there. So, yeah, that's about it, about two and a half hours in the water. So, Tim, when the flames began to die down, you yes. found a dinghy and you put the family into the dinghy and hauled them off yes. to a more safe location. Yes. Well, before um, the the flames died down, the jetty itself caught fire. And so um, I had to make my way back in and I fortunately had an Akubra hat that um, was a lifesaver because it enabled me to scoop water up out of the sea and put the fire out. I had to do that twice. But uh, yes, after that, um, and when the smoke started to lift and you know the fire had sort of burnt the available fuel, it was a very hot burn. Um, I've got a background as a wood-fired potter, so I understand combustion and wood fuels and I know that that was intensely hot. And if you look at the ground now, there's nothing. It's just all of the understory, everything that was there, including a lot of fallen logs and limbs and branches, all gone. Tim Holmes, stay with us, because I'd like to talk to you about your Christian faith and what difference it makes when you're under the sort of pressure when disaster hits. Uh, Tim, stay with us. We'll come back and talk some more in just a short while. You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. We're talking with Tim Holmes, who was one of those who fled the Dun Alley bushfire in Tasmania. Tim and his wife with their five grandchildren huddled together under a jetty to escape the flames as they engulfed and almost totally destroyed their whole town. In our earlier conversation, we mentioned that Tim is a man of strong Christian faith. I'm interested to know, Tim, what difference it makes when you need to exercise an extra dimension of courage in the rescue of your own family. Is it the case that you were deeply aware of your own faith and enabled to cope with the circumstances when you simply had only one option to call on God's help to bring your family to safety? Yes. Oh, that's that's the case. Um, I, sh- I should maybe explain that uh, before, um, while Tammy prepared the children for the for the flight, um, they stood in a circle and they prayed and they asked for God's protection. 
and the children were um, beautifully involved in that prayer, each one um, acknowledging in their own way uh, their need for protection. So that was the the you know the the first uh, prayer that was issued or uttered or sent heavenward. And certainly, um, as soon as they arrived at the jetty, um, as I explained earlier, I hadn't actually got there at that point. I was a little bit behind them because I did a few tidying up things that I thought might help. But um, they were in prayer when I got there. They were in the water. They were holding each other up, um, bearing in mind that only two of the children can swim and three of them had to be held. Um, And... Uh, Tammy, that's my wife, was praying, and Matilda, the ten-year-old, was praying. Uh, Eleven, sorry. And um, as as they prayed, I came through the smoke and the fire, and little Caleb, who's six, said, "There's Papa." And so they gave thanks for that. And and when I got there again, we we stood together and we called on God's protection. Uh, we understand that we're sovereignly called. That. Um, his hand is upon us, that um, nothing can hurt, harm us outside, inside the will of God. We're perfectly protected, and um, we weren't afraid. And the children, you know, the picture that, um, uh, I, I took some pictures, as, as you probably know, because they have already appeared, but there was, uh, they were cold um, after a certain time in the water, that's inevitable. Um, and there was there were anxious looks on their faces, but the, you know the the spirit of fear didn't get us. We we were, th- there wasn't that sense of doom. Uh, we were confident that um, the, that we were being protected, that we would survive this. And I think the beautiful aspect of this is that the children have not been traumatized. Um, there's been not a tear shed, not a moment of sleep lost. Um, they've got their joy. Um, we're joyful in this. Um, we praise the Lord in all circumstances, but we find it particularly easy to praise him in this circumstance because, uh, yes, he certainly protected us, but we knew that... Um, you know, we're well cared for. There was a particular scripture that someone gave to you as an encouragement after the ordeal. Look, there have been lots, Um, but more, when I say someone, it's what, you know, we've had some beautiful um, times of of thankfulness and um, thanksgiving, if you like, as a family, and one of the... um, words of encouragement that came forward was um, this one. Um, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Even I am the Lord, and apart from me there is no saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am He. No one can deliver you 
out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Tim, when you were running through that woodlands from the house catching fire Mm -hmm. down towards the water, uh, did you at that point fear for your life in the sense that you thought that this might be the day uh, that you might stand before your maker? Um, The possibility occurred to me because um, it was very easy to become disorientated. Um, I won't say it... uh, it it was a prolonged sense of um let's see um fear it was more well yes this could be very dangerous or it is very dangerous i became aware of the danger i was in but um i certainly didn't allow a sense of fear to prevent me from um continuing running i'm 62 years old and i reckon i ran like a 20 year old Tim, the sense that you were uh, prayerfully expectant that God would deliver you through those flames, yes. Yes. that certainly changes, doesn't it, when you realize that you've found a point of safety and yeah. that all of a sudden your prayer turns to, I imagine, what must be something like jubilation, that, that you've been saved. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's strong analogies in it, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. So, and I know that uh, the family was full of thanksgiving to God that you'd been preserved through the ordeal. That's correct. You know, we've lost uh, absolutely everything we own. We, I have a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, which are borrowed. Um, Mine are in the wash. Um, uh, But we're not in any any way daunted or any way uh, lost our joy. Uh, We're extremely excited by what God has for us as a family. The biblical image of Job comes to my mind as we're talking. And uh, in Job's words, where he was able to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is is that something that you feel like you can identify with in your anticipation of what might come in the coming days, weeks, months and years? Yes, yes. Um, I haven't actually thought of it like that. I hesitate to comp- to sort of feel in any way similar to Job, but um, I, I do believe though that um, that God has a plan for us and uh, as a family that you know that we've um, you know in the days since our experience, which was last Friday, we've actually gathered together in prayer each morning and we have doubly committed ourselves to His purposes uh, and to be used according to his plan, and uh, we're we're in in great uh, anticipation of what he has for us. Well, Tim, certainly those around Australia, and uh, there may even be some listening to our conversation now in the grip of heatwave conditions and potentially facing similar circumstances yeah, and uh, yeah. your story is a encouragement and an inspiration and yes. and certainly uh, appreciate your taking time to uh, share your story with us today and uh, the prayers of many Australians will be for you and your family and uh, we'll pass on details if there are inquiries that come as yeah. to how people may actually be able to uh, help your family too and uh, so certainly uh, thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. 
Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.